out of there, Lord, is if we choose to walk away. You've rescued us. You've paid such a large price for our freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. This freedom has cost the Lord everything. He's paid for you in full. It is finished. There's nothing you can add to it. It is done. It is a complete work by which we enter into by faith this morning, Lord. We've got nothing to add, Lord. We just simply bring ourselves in a posture of surrender and humility. Come, Holy Spirit, this morning. I pray you'll do something fresh in you. Even as I sense you moving right now, Lord, in this place. We want to capture what you're doing here this morning, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, there's, as I stand in the presence of God this morning and I come as a guest, I come as a friend of the rock. But I see the tectonic plates underneath this church. There's been a a building of pressure under the earth. There's been, as those plates are coming together, the pressure's been building and, and eventually something gives and we all feel that on the surface of the earth when that takes place. Everything shakes. But you know, God has to do that within our lives. And the reason for that is is that by previous generations, by our own choices, we have added so much peripheral to our lives that has created bondage. And one of the ways that God deals with that is that he places a couple of tectonic plates underneath our lives. And the pressure builds until it finds, and we can all feel it. You can feel it when you're going through that in your life. You can feel that something is happening and stirring in your soul. And, And most of the time, it's a difficult pressure. It's a pressure cooker environment. And that's why James says, be not concerned about the fiery trial that you go through because it shall produce in you. It shall come forth like gold in our lives. It is to be embraced. It is to be welcomed. And I just see that there, there is cracks in the earth this morning in our lives as that pressure has succumbed and We see the evidence of it breaking forth in our lives. But I see in the spirit this morning, it's like God's got this mighty glue gun. And he's just fusing the cracks in our lives as we come and surrender to him. And he's building something brand new because all the stuff that can be shaken has been shaken. So that that which remains is solid, is sure, and is built by God. So I want to encourage you, church, this morning to embrace the moving of God's Spirit within your life. No chastening seems pleasant for a season, but he whom the Father loves, he disciplines. And in the end, the Bible says, it brings forth enormous fruit to the glory of his name. So I want to say to you, God is with you this morning. The presence of God is here in this place this morning. And that is significant. It's one thing to feel the shaking. It's another thing to feel the shaking and know the presence of God in your midst. Because when you know that, you know everything's going to be all right. You just keep holding on to God this morning.
in the name of Jesus. Why don't you take a seat this morning? God bless you. It's wonderful to be here again at The Rock. And my name's James. I might just come up here because I just find being a bit taller. Is that all right? Okay. I want to get straight into it this morning because I've got a few things that God's laid on my heart. About two weeks ago, a prophetess contacted me. I hadn't spoken to her for 11 years. And um, on the 14th of August, she had a significant vision as she was in prayer. And uh, I believe it's it's a word that God is releasing into the earth for the season that we're in. And you can read the vision on my, on my website, jamesanson.com, and if you want to open that and print it out and put it in your Bible and just pray through it. It's a significant vision, two, two parts to it. But I just felt before I get into what God's given to me this morning, I just need to share this with you because I sense that there's a number of people that need to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know, understanding brings relief when you're going through shaking in your life. When you understand there's a purpose for it, it brings a tremendous security in our lives because we know that God is building something of himself in us if we respond to him. Amen? It's not wasted agony. You never want to go through trials and waste the agony by doing something dumb, by rejecting what God wants to do in your life. That's just wasted years. You want to capitalize on all that God is wanting to do by cooperating in a posture of surrender with the Holy Spirit. So in the vision, she saw a large forest, and there was tall tall trees, there was willowy trees, there were skinny trees, there were trees of all different shapes and sizes. And... um, And uh, as she was looking at these trees in the vision, all of a sudden she became aware that there were a lot of ornamental hangings coming off the tree. There were ladder ropes, there were swings, there were bird feeders, there were wind chimes, all these things hanging off the branches of these trees. And then on the forest floor, she realized that it was just covered in brambles and thick um, thorn bushes, and there wasn't a clear pathway through the forest. It was completely overgrown. And then out to the side of her vision, all of a sudden, she saw a tree explode into flame. And as she looked, that flame caught and exploded onto the next tree and the next tree. And before long, the whole forest is actually aflame. And the fire is burning, but it's not consuming the trees. And as she's looking on in the vision, she sees all the ornaments and the hangings that have been off the tree that are hanging on the tree, they're all being reduced to ash and dropping onto the forest floor. All the thick undergrowth on the floor is being burnt up. And then a wind comes and it, and it completely, in the middle of the firestorm, the wind comes and blows everything that was hanging off the trees away. All of a sudden, there's a clear pathway in the forest. And the interpretation was given to her and said that This is a season now where the fire of God has been released on the church of Jesus Christ in a new way because the church has adopted so many plan Bs that God never introduced into the life of the church of Jesus Christ. All the ornamental hangings that were symbolic of the works of man that have been added to the church. And that for God to use the church as he has desired and as as his plan has always been, then there has to be a firestorm to come. And in the vision, it didn't stop there. All of a sudden, the vision, she, she zoomed out and she was aware that there were other forests around. And many of these other forests had large, big walls built around them. And at the smell of the smoke, all of a sudden, they kicked into action. And they were hiring helicopters and firefighters because they were quite happy with the state of their forest and they didn't want the fire to come and touch them. So they were dropping water from the helicopter Onto the forest. We're quite happy, thank you, just the way that we are. We don't need that fire in our lives. And, uh, and, then, it's, and then in the vision, it's just been released. It was released that, that the fire has been sent 
to, re, to refine, to restore, to bring the purpose of God to pass because God never ordained any. He doesn't have a plan B. He only has one plan. And all those extras that we've put into it, they have to go in order for God to do the work. So don't be alarmed if you're feeling the flames of refining, touching your life in this season. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that God's doing. Now, she had a second vision a few days later, and I'll quickly go over that. She saw in the second vision a long line of trees, about two, two to three kilometers long. Again, trees of all different shapes and sizes. And as she's in the vision, she zooms in on the trees, and she realized that some of the trees have got bandages, some of the trees have got patches, some of the trees have got crutches. And she realized that this is a wounded, disillusioned army. But they see, the, they see the fire that's not consuming in the distance, and they begin to march in uniform together toward the forest. And as they hit the forest, they slip into the consuming fire. And the amazing thing was is that they, all, each tree seemed to know there was a place that had been reserved for it. And some of those places that had been reserved to it had been set aside by praying fathers, mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers calling the prodigal, the hurt, the disillusioned back into the purposes of God. And as they came into the fire, they caught, they caught fire themselves. And, and, and as she was looking in the vision, all the bandages, the crutches, all the, 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 the evidence of the wound and the hurt and the disillusionment began to burn off as they joined the bride, the army of God in this whole thing. And the outcome of the vision in both sectors was that the church came to a place where it would just speak into the atmosphere and things would happen. The reviving power of God was just being released through this beautiful bride that had been through the fire, the firestorm. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you all today to embrace that prophetic picture in your life and let God do the work that he's desiring to do. Can anyone give me an amen this morning on that? It's really cool. Um, where's our worship leader? That young man. What's your name? Jay. Jay. As in Jay? Jaden. Cool, Jaden. Jay, I just want to, um, <clears throat> as you were worship leading this morning, there is a huge calling on your life to connect in with the directorship and leadership of the Holy Spirit with worship leading. And I sense that God's been actually working in your life in a substantial way over a period of time. Not just I'm not just talking about a month or so. There's been a deep work that God's been deploying in your life. Because there is a level of anointing that God wants to bring into your life as a worship leader that is going to cause the power of God to break out as you lead the people of God. And so don't you be concerned if it's getting tough for you. Okay, because here's the principle. Anybody that God chooses to elevate and use in his purposes, if they don't submit to the fire, then when they get to that place that God's called them to, it all falls to pieces. So it's a, it's a high calling to be called, you know, into a role of responsibility. And so... Don't worry about it, man. If you're feeling a few shakings in your life, that's cool because that's, that's the Holy Spirit at work because of the, 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 the plan that he has for you. And it's a, plan of, it's a plan of like I just see a seamless working with the Holy Spirit within your life. It's an anointing to bring and release the works of God as the people of God are gathered to bring the work of God in that now moment where the Holy Spirit, bam, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, we may not even have the word this morning. Because God is actually at work within the life of his people. So I really, really want to encourage you that, bro. You received that? All right. And Joel, I spoke with, I met you with you yesterday. And this is your first time at The Rock? Second time? All right. Okay. And he won't be a false prophet and say, Thus saith the Lord, you shall come to The Rock. All right. <laughs> um, rent a prophet. Hey, Greg, rent a prophet. No. No, Joel, when I was talking to you yesterday, I became aware that 
there's a very structured way of thinking within your life. And God can use that. But sometimes what he wants to do is that, because what, what I see God's called in your life is that like a young David, he wants you to discover the free form as David was shepherding his father's sheep. As he was watching over his father's flock, God taught him two things. He taught him how to be a worshiper and he taught him how to be a warrior. And God wants to bring you into a place in the spirit where your relationship with him is one where you're so focused on what God wants to do that when the lion and the bear come, no problem. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you can deal to those obstacles as they come to your life because you've been forming relationship. And I just really sense the Lord is saying, you know, don't get distracted from that. Keep the main thing, the main thing within your life. All right? So the Lord bless you, young man. It's absolutely awesome. Thank you, Father. Kirk, where are you? He's gone. He's gone. All right. I just feel for Kirk today, and you can pass this on to him. I just feel that God's got a Daniel anointing over his life. He's a fine young man. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they set themselves apart. And Daniel, they set themselves apart for the Lord's work. And they weren't prepared to go the way of Babylon. They weren't prepared to go the way of the world, but they were prepared to stand on the principles of the word of God. And as a result of that, uh, God raised uh, Daniel up to be a great statesman, one that would speak on behalf of God into situations. And I believe that God's called him to be like that Daniel ambassador anointing on his life where um, he's, God's going to place him in civic areas. God's going to place him into areas where he's going to use him as a mouthpiece to speak in to the life of the community. So, um, all right. Okay, sweet. Just got a little bit of ring. Is that better? Just got a little, can you guys hear that little bit of a ring at the top end? All right? Okay, it's just me. It's just me. All right. Okay, ringing ears, ringing ears. Okay, Father, we just thank you today for your word. And as I come to give this specific word, Lord, today, a word from the word, I pray, Lord, as we open the word of God today, I pray it would be quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray today, Lord God, that as your word is presented, that, Lord, it would be presented in truth, it would be presented in righteousness, Lord, it would be covered by the precious blood of Jesus and that Holy Spirit. You would take the words that I speak, Lord, and that you would bring life to them, Lord, that you would bring that which you are wanting to communicate to our hearts. So, Father, we just give you praise this morning in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Paul the Apostle is... Uh, living in an environment where this church of the way, this new thing that's erupted out of Jerusalem, is starting to go viral around the place. And there's preachers rising up and there's, there's uh, people that are what the scripture calls peddling the word of God. Peddling the word of God means that they were using it for their own end and their own means. And so he was getting pressure to to uh, present himself as one that, that people could buy into. Well, Paul, we, we want your letters of recommendation. We want, we want you to pre- present your CV to us before you come and minister to us. And Paul responds, let me read to you two verses out of 2 Corinthians 3, verse 1 and 2. Uh, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you? Or letters of commendation from you? And then he says this. Listen to this. You. Say me. Me. All right. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Paul was basically saying this. If you want to know what I'm all about, all you need to do is look at the finished product. Here's a bunch of people that we've ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit and we've released the anointing that has been operating in their hearts. 
And as a result of that, they have now come to a place where if you want to see what my ministry is all about, go and read the congregation's lives. They're living letters of human being stuff that if you want to have a chat with them, you can, you can go and have a chat with them and, and very soon you'll read their lives and you'll see what they're all about. What an amazing call to live our lives like, friends, how can the story ever be told if you never open the pages of the book? And God is saying to us this morning, through this scripture, that the high call of God in Jesus Christ is not, as a believer, is not just to pay your taxes and attend a service once a week. As we so reduce the church of Jesus Christ down to a religious exercise. No, he said, the reality of this life that I want you to live is so powerful that when you meet somebody who's really serving Jesus, they're living their lives like an open book and you can read what's going on in their lives because they're living an authentic, real existence with no barriers, no cover-ups, What you see is what you get. Just open the next page and the next page and another chapter and you can find out all about what God's doing in my life because I've got nothing to hide. Friends, I want to tell you something. That is the secret to community. You cannot experience... What do I mean by community? I mean coexisting side by side in such a manner that we're not living as individuals anymore, but we are one in Christ and we're called to the purposes of God to release the presence and the power of God in the earth. You can't experience true community without transparency. So here's a question for you this morning. How many people are reading the pages of your book? Remember the prayer of Jesus. And I know uh, Greg's probably preached this many times because this was one of the great prayers that Jesus prayed and he prayed it with absolute integrity as he prayed everything. But he prayed, his, his goal was that the church, the bride, would be one as he and the Father were one. And the only way we can achieve oneness is by, by living our lives at a level where we're happy for people to read the pages of our lives. We're happy to come alongside people. We're happy to be real with them. We're happy to not put on some religious mask That's saying this is how it should be when it's not really like that. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about how we get to the place of authentic living as a believer because it's such a great key to every community of faith to move forward within their lives. I'm not talking about just displaying all your dirty laundry to anybody that wants to know. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is that we're real about the struggles. What we're talking about is that we're honest when we're not making it. We're not faking it. We've been honest. We've been real. We've been open with one another because, as we're going to find out in this message later on, it's in our weaknesses that we make our strongest connections, not in our strengths. Is everybody still with me today? So the difficulty that we have, the world has changed. I first started ministry in 1989. 1989, I went into full-time Christian ministry. By the grace of God, by 2018, we would have been in ministry for 30 years. By the grace of God, and we would have been married 31 years because we were married one year and then we were thrust into the fray. Oh, we had to beat each other up first, and then we, once we got that sorted out, who was the boss, then we could actually get on with things. <laughs> I think there's the boss. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've heard of the term warrior princess? Yeah, that's my wife. 
<laughs> the world has changed dramatically over the time that I have been in Christian ministry. And as a result, it has become harder and harder to live an authentic lifestyle. And I want to tackle a number of those reasons this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm aiming this message at everybody, but there's a younger generation that's, that has grown up in the world that we live in now that has put some real big challenges in front of you. And I want to talk about that today. Is that cool? So we're following Jesus in a selfie-centered world. The world that I grew up in, we never turned the camera on ourselves. <laughs> it was kind of a little bit hard to actually find the buttons and everything to actually take a photo of yourself. And then you'd have to wait a week before you actually found out what it looked like. <laughs> so this is a relatively new phenomenon. There's an estimated 92 million selfies are taken every day. 92 million selfies. <laughs> Woohoo! And of all the pictures that are taken on a mobile device, one in every three is a selfie. <laughs> I want to tell you, when I grew up, we had one day of the year at primary school where we had to get our photo taken. It was immense pressure, the build-up to that one day, that one moment. And then you had to find out at the end of the year in the yearbook what you actually looked like. <laughs> the world has changed massively. <clears throat> you know, if we, today if we take there's, a, there's eight of you, and it's a group photo, who do we look at first? <laughs> There's an honest lady right there. And what's now developed is that with our app technology is that we have new things that aid us in presenting ourselves in the best possible way. It's called filtering. You can jump on Instagram or Facebook and you can apply certain software called filters to your picture that will dramatically improve the way you look. Because, because here's the thing, friends, the world we live in now enables us to put forward a picture of how we want the world to see us, not how we really are. So the challenge that we have today is that the more filtered our lives have become, the more difficult it is to live an authentic lifestyle. And I want this message to be a return to biblical, the biblical value of true authenticity within our lives. You know, technology, I'm not bagging technology. I'm a technological man. All right. I've got my iPad I'm preaching from. I've got my phone in here. You know, I've got my laptop back at home. Um, I've got the tools. And, you know, I can be over the other side of the world and I can Skype my wife. And I can have a face-to-face -face conversation with her. I mean, that was Star Trek technology in the 70s. We used to dream about that. It's now a reality. We're still waiting for the beam me up part. It's coming. And so, you know, we can find, find long-lost school friends on social media. There's lots of things. We can follow people up. We can look out for one another by what's happening on social media. There's some good things, but there's also some very... Uh, unintended but negative consequences of the world that we live in as well. And here's some of them. People are starting to fear and avoid unfiltered communication. Because we've become accustomed to showing our best self. Many don't even talk on the phone anymore. You know, when I grew up, the phone went ring, 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 ring. And we had no idea who was on the other end. It was scary. But you know what? We had no other way of actually doing it but picking up the handset. Hello? Is anyone there? 
We, it was like a surprise. Who was, who's ringing me? Who's on the other end of the phone? But of course, now we've got caller ID. There's, there's nothing hidden. And this is, this is what has happened now. The world has changed so much, friends, that this is, what, this is what actually takes place. The generation that's growing up now, can I say the 18, especially the 18 to 25-year-old generation that's grown up with the advent of the internet, this is what happens. It's that they can look at who's calling them. Oh, nah. I don't want to take that call. What happens when you take the, don't take the call? Voicemail. So later on, at their time, at their convenience, they can listen to whoever was calling them and whatever message may be left, and then they can respond when they're totally in control of the communication pathway. And most likely, it won't be a phone call coming back. It'll be a text message or a Facebook message or something like that. So this, friends, has changed the way that we communicate with each other and the way that we experience community. So now what happens is, is that most of our communication is filtered. You hardly ever get a real-time now response in the world that we're living in because we have the mechanisms now to communicate when we want and to put out there what we want. Is, it, is anybody getting this? It has, listen, this has changed the way the whole world communicates. You can go to some parts of the world where they've, they've got no food, but they've got an internet connection. <laughs> it's changed the way that we live. So the more filtered our lives become, the more inauthentic we've come to live. So I want to take us further down this 2 Corinthians 3 passage today, and I want to point a couple of things out. Because contained in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians is a very, very interesting concept uh, that we can apply to this message today. You know, uh, in the book of Exodus, Moses has been 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. He, it was a supernatural fast, as far as we're aware. No food, no water for 40 days, 40 nights. And he comes off the mountain carrying the tablets of stone that, the, that God has finger etched in with his own fingerprint, the Ten Commandments. And the Bible says as he's walking down the mountain, his face is glowing. His face is radiating where he's come from, the presence of God. Just recently, we've, we've had a whole group of young people that have come to Christ, not in church, because we're training our people how to be missional believers. We're not telling our people, come to church, we're telling them to go into all the world. Because Jesus didn't say, come, he said, go. And as we've been seeking to follow the go in the world, we've seen some incredible encounters recently in the life of our congregation, where young people have been uh, saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, all in one night. By the power of God, as believers from our church have got around them and led them to the Lord. And, uh, and the reason why I say that is I just baptized a whole group of them recently. And you should see their faces as they come up and out of the tank. They are radiating the presence of God. Sh- the, their faces are shining with the glory of God. So we see here <clears throat> that Moses comes down and he puts a veil over his face so that the people couldn't see the radiance of God's glory shining off his face. Now, we've all presumed, all right, that that was the main purpose, but I want to take you further down 2 Corinthians 3. Look at this in verse 13. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Hello, did you get that? Not while the glory is remaining 100% all the time, every day, but the veil was put there so that they actually couldn't see when the radiance was disappearing. So effectively, Moses had a filter over his life so that you couldn't actually see the reality of what was going on. And that's exactly what's the toughness of the generation that we're living in now, is that we're all living filtered lives because we don't want, any, we don't want everybody to see what's going on in our lives. Let me read these verses. <clears throat> 
Verse 14. But their minds were made dull, for this, to this day the same vow remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. And of course, we, 2 Corinthians 4 goes on to say that the God of this world, little g, has blinded the minds and eyes so that they cannot see the glory of God. So even to this day, Jews are all around the world. There's a spiritual veil that covers their faces and they, can't actually, they don't actually, they're still waiting for Messiah to come. He's already come. His name is Jesus. And that veil has blinded them from seeing the glorious picture of Christ. So more, Paul, Paul is basically saying here that Moses is covering up so that the people of Israel wouldn't see the inevitable fading of the glory from his face. And I would argue with this morning that by nature we all have the same similar problem and we can fall into the same similar trap over and over again, struggling to be transparent. We're placing filters and barriers between us and people so that they don't see what's really going on in our lives. So when we sin by nature, of course, we conceal our sin. Adam and Eve, what happened when they sinned? They hid. Adam, where are you? He hid from the presence of God. And uh, when he did surface, he became aware that he was naked and he tried to cover up. So they got a couple of leaves together and they covered themselves. And that's exactly what we do. When we're struggling with areas within our lives, we tend to cover up. We tend to filter our lives. We tend to put a veil across our hearts and over our lives. So I want to ask you the question, what is the veil that you may be wearing this morning? Even if you're not on social media today, it's really just an example I'm giving about how difficult it is to live a transparent, authentic life today. If you're not even on social media today, what is the image that you may be portraying that may not be an accurate picture of the real you? Sometimes we can over-spiritualize ourselves. If people would read our posts on social media, they would think that we were Jesus himself. We've got the master quotes. We've got the master prayers. We've got the selfie taken with the cup of coffee and the Bible and our, and our pen, and we're writing down all the revelation that God's given to us. And, you know, we're, whoa, yeah, we're super sunset Sam, spiritual Sam out there every day. And so... We often can fall into the trap, like the Pharisees, of portraying ourselves to be an overly, deeply spiritual person, which may not necessarily be the truth. I could be there, you know, like Greg, who's, you know, you know, in the gym, you know, five times a week in the gym, you know, working out in front of the mirrors, you know. I could be there on Facebook and saying, right, I'm, I'm going to get into shape. And I take a selfie with my protein shake, you know, getting ready for a workout. <laughs> but what I didn't show on social media was when I just dropped into Dunkin' Donuts on the way to get my protein shake. I didn't show that on, on Facebook, did I? I wouldn't, wouldn't show that because, you know, the actual reason why I'm taking a protein shake and having to work out for a two-hour workout is because I had three donuts on the way to the gym. <laughs> or oh, we all know this one, the smiley anniversary pics. Ten years married today and you get the waiter to take a photo of you while you're lovingly looking into one another's eyes. Can't believe it. We've been married 10 years today. Isn't that amazing? And so you post that on social media, but what you don't post is the horrendous argument that you had the night before. <laughs> you went out to dinner. It's not really that smoochy-poochy after all. So what are we doing when we enter into this type of behavior? We're sowing a picture to the rest of the world an image of what we want to th them to think that we are. We're saying, here is the me that I want you to see. You know, sometimes when it comes to the whole thing, the church world, we can be the worst at this. The pressure on us to look like a solid Christian, we can actually put a very strong false front 
out to both our community and to other people that we're in contact with. You know, and we get all false about things, you know. How you going, brother? Oh, fantastic. Never been better. You know, you had a horrendous fight with the wife on the way to church. You kicked the cat on your way out the door because you were so angry. You scolded the kids way over the top because of the angry mood that you were in. And, you know, the thing is, is that, is that when we enter into that type of behavior, we've adopted a false world and we're living an inauthentic lifestyle. So I ask you again, what filter may you be wearing today? Because I believe that right now, even if you look at the firestorm prophecy that I just shared with you this morning, I believe that God is bringing back the church to a place of true, authentic, real, honest community where real relationships are formed, where we're getting past all the masks, all the filters, and we're getting down to finding out who the real you and me is in our lives. You know, if I'm honest, if I'm honest with you this morning, let it start with me today. You know, this year has been an incredibly busy year. I got a prophetic word at the start of this year for our faith community that this year would be a year of traction. And man, I've been running to keep up. Our church has grown by 33% this year. And we've seen some tremendous conversions. You know, just bear in mind we're a church plant, so we're not a mega church. But, but we've, we've seen God do some amazing things. And I've ended up having, and, and I ended up this year getting a whole lot of invitations overseas to speak. And I was preaching in Singapore, and I was pre- preaching in Malaysia this year. And I did nine meetings in four and a half days. Not to an Eastern crowd, which is much easier to minister to, but to a Western crowd, to a Singaporean crowd uh, who have a high demand. They love the Word of God. And you know, I came back from that, man, and I'd lost my voice. I was completely drained because I'd given out every last drop. And I kind of just realized just lately that I've really been struggling in myself, to really feel that fire burning within my life. And I realized that I took a little hit there and that I probably bit off too much more than I could chew. And sometimes that can happen to you. If you're living your life at such a pace and you're not connecting in with the, the branch is not abiding in the vine continuously, then you run out of sap. And so praise God, I've got a short sabbatical coming up next month where I can just really recharge Battery levels back up to 100%. Um, But the reality is, is that we often don't want to tell people about what's really going on in our lives because, why is that? Because we think they won't like us if we tell them the truth about what's really going on in our lives. You know, Paul said in verse 15, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers the heart. Here's a principle for you this morning. A veil that first covers the heart ends up covering the, uh, covers the face, ends up covering the heart. A veil that first covers the face ends up covering the heart. The children of Israel couldn't see God. There wasn't a position of transparency that they had with one another in that situation. They ended up completely going off track, melting down all the jewelry and forming a golden calf and falling into idolatry because they couldn't be real about what was going on at that time that Moses was up on the mountain. And the danger of today's superficiality is that there's a whole generation that's rising that don't know how to be themselves. And so we've got so caught up displaying an image of what we want people to see about us that we don't even know who we really are in the world that we live in. You know, and if you're in some kind of public ministry, no matter what it is, here's a danger that we all face. We can end up faking our spirituality. If you're a life group leader or you're a worship leader or you're a preacher or you're doing something in the community where you're representing Christ as an ambassador, you know, you can end up, if you're just putting out a false image of the real you that's going on, you can end up faking your spirituality. Here's some of the things that you'll know. You end up praying more publicly than what you're actually doing, praying privately within your life. You're only reading the Bible when you've got to give something to somebody else. 
And so this is what we end up doing. We end up becoming full-time ministers for Christ, but part-time followers for Jesus. We end up becoming full-time businessmen, part-time followers of Jesus. Full-time parents, part-time followers of Jesus. Yet we continue to wear a veil. Look at me, look at me. But it's veiled, it's filtered, it's tampered, it's inauthentic, and it's not real. We're afraid that if people see the real you, they won't like you. It's interesting, psychologists have come up with a new term. Do I have any psychologists in the room today? Phew, I won't be psychoanalyzed, that's awesome. (laughs) But uh, they've come up with a new term today, and this is the term. It's called deferred loneliness. And this is how it works in our generation. We feel the incredible, but you may be married, by the way. You don't have to be, you don't have to be um, single to feel lonely. Hello. You can be living with people all around you, and you can feel extremely lonely. So there's a new term called deferred loneliness, and what it, what, this is how it works, is that you feel the bite of that loneliness within your soul. So what you do is that you go out, ladies, you go out and buy that beautiful spring collection the handbag, the matching shoes, the dress, and then you get either a selfie taken or you get somebody to take a photo of yourself and put it on Facebook. You know why you do that? Because you want the immediate hit from the likes that you may get of your photo. But as the immediate hit of those likes wears off, you're back to the lo- being more lonelier than ever before. They call that deferred loneliness. You're only actually putting off what's really the trouble within your soul by trying to get a like hit from social media. And the truth is, friends, is that looking for the approval, of, the approval of others, but we're actually, what we're really in need of is something authentic and something real, a connection with Christ that's going to take away that lonely feeling that you may be feeling, a reality of Jesus within your life that's going to soak up that loneliness where you can turn to him no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. And you don't need a hit from how many likes on social media because you can have a hit from Jesus every single day as you turn to him, as you look to him, as we're going to discover at the end of this message. And here's the thing, friends, is that we may impress people with our strengths, but the reality is that we actually connect through our weaknesses. That's why I've seen people in ministry who were arrogant. I saw them in their heyday when they were arrogant. They were full of themselves. There was just, they knew best. Their church was the greatest. You know, they would put down openly and publicly other ministries and everything else. And then you see, because pride comes before a, after a fall, all of a sudden they've actually been dealing with all these issues within their lives. And if, they, if they're honest enough and if they're courageous enough, they get down and dirty with God and they hang out all their dirty laundry and they get a, a, they get a Holy Ghost cleanup. They go through the laundry process with the Spirit of God. And as a result, they come out the other side and they're a different person. They're different because now they can relate to you because they're willing to share their weaknesses and not always put on the picture-perfect best performance for others to see. So, coming to a conclusion this morning. If this is what we find ourselves doing this morning, living behind a veil... I want to ask you the question, how can we remove the veil? The Bible has the answer right there for us. Look at this, next verse, verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Can I say that again? If anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What's turn to the Lord mean? You're saying, I need to get saved again? No, friends, turning to the Lord is the posture of your heart in repentance and having an attitude within your life that's prepared to take a good look in the mirror and actually realize, wow, God, I got some work to do. I looked in the mirror this morning and my face was so dirty. You don't then, you don't then grab the Bible and try and clean your face with the Bible. You actually get water. You get the washing of the water of the, the Word of God. You get the Holy Spirit working within your life. And you turn to the Lord and all of a sudden, supernaturally, the Spirit of God removes that veil. 
You turn to the Lord and the veil is taken away. Woohoo! Hallelujah. So, friends, this morning, we need to get back to our true identity. And I know Pastor Greg preaches this a lot. You probably get sick of him preaching this. But you, you know why he preaches this, friends? It's because there's no other way. If our identity is formed in anyone else than Jesus, we're living a substandard life of faith that God has intended for us. And so what God has to do is that he has to, re, he has to replant the pot plants of our lives continuously when we start living a false kind of veiled inauthentic lifestyle, God says, I've got to repot that plant because it's going to die. And to do that, he needs our cooperation to shift us, to move us, to do whatever it takes in order to discover that active repentance where we're actually turning to the Lord from our hearts and God's repotting our lives. We need to stop living for likes and we need to start living from his love. Stop living for likes and start living from a position of knowing you're loved, knowing who you are, your identity in Christ. And then, friends, you won't worry about what other people, your identity will become sure. It's no longer what other people think, but it's what he thinks. You see, friends, when we get obsessed, when we get obsessed with what other people think about us, it's the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. But if we get obsessed with what God thinks about us, it's the quickest way to forget what other people think about us. So let's turn to the Lord this morning. Let's remove the veils and let's allow the Holy Spirit to build true, authentic community in our midst. We turn to the Lord and the veil is taken away today. When we bring the veil down, it can be scary. But it's all worthwhile as we realize that Christ is being formed in us and through us. Where we move from not presenting the me I want you to see, but the me that God created me to be. That's the person that you want to be presenting to the world today. Look at these following final verses of 3 Corinthians as we finish this morning. Listen to this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's no more filtering. There's no more masking. There's no more living an inauthentic lifestyle. There is freedom this morning where the Spirit of the Lord is truly working and you've given Him full access rights into every room of your house. There's no closets. There's no bedrooms. There's no other places. There's no garage lockups where you're hiding stuff away. But the Spirit of the Lord has been given full rights and access into your heart. And as a result, friends, of all of that, there is freedom for you to be the, the person that God created you to be. Wow. And here's what happens. Verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Can anybody give the Lord an amen this morning? Woohoo! So, Father, I, I just, could I just have just a keyboardist, please? Could I just have the keyboardist that was on this morning? If you could just come just for a minute. And uh, why do we do that? Well, friends, I want to tell you that music is an integral part of who we are. And uh, it was an integral part of who the devil was, actually. And, uh, but music is powerful. And what it does is that it, it gives us an opportunity to actually, for a moment, reflect on what's just being said. And I would like you to be really honest with yourself this morning. Because there's an opportunity for all of us here today to turn to the Lord and see the veil taken away. You don't have to impress people by putting on a false image of what you want them to think you are. You can be the true you, the real you today, and live from a position of freedom and victory in Christ. If you become obsessed with what God thinks about you, you'll forget 
about what other people are thinking about you. And there's a real freedom in that, friends, because so many of our daily decisions are impinged upon by what we think others are thinking about us. I believe the rock here in Wellington has a destiny of walking in oneness. And oneness means transparency. It means authenticity. It means having people around you when it gets tough, you can actually be really open. You've got somebody to ring, somebody to text, somebody that can pray for you, somebody that will literally go out of their way to come and be with you. Friends, that doesn't have to be the pastor. That's old school thinking. We're a body. The body ministers to itself, one member of the body to another. Let's stop putting false burdens on on leaders and, and men of God to be the one that's going to solve our problems. Let's allow the body to work because, you know, this, this is what Jesus said, how will the world know? You, know? you know what he said? He said, by their love one for another. And when you've dropped all the filters and all the vows have been removed from your life, you can discover true love that can propel you and your ministry to other people because you see them for who God's made them to be. Could we stand to our feet this morning? I trust that the Lord has ministered to you today. And I wonder if we can just close our eyes just for a moment. The reason why I do this is that, you know, the Lord always wants to strike while the iron's hot. Jesus said the house of God is to be a house of prayer. We want to be able to pray with you this morning. We want the prayer team to pray with you this morning. Something may have struck a chord within your life today about some of the struggles you may be going through. And this is your opportunity to remove the veil. Find somebody in this place this morning that you trust. Where you feel that you can share your struggles and allow the Holy Spirit this morning to minister to you. But one more final act of business, and this is what I love to do. I love to introduce people to Jesus. If you were here today, you've been backslidden. You haven't been walking with God. You know about Him, but you're not living in a personal relationship with Him. Or if you're here today and you don't really know too much about Christianity, I want to introduce to you to my best friend, Jesus Christ, who has always had a plan and a destiny for you to live connected, interconnected with Him by the Spirit of God. And how you can do that today is by surrendering your life and praying to Him and receiving Him into your heart this morning. So just for a moment, with every head bowed, if there's someone in this service today that needs to either connect for the first time or reconnect to Jesus Christ, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to lead you into a prayer of connection with God. Is there anyone in the house this morning? Could you slip your hand up this morning and say, Pastor James, that's me. I really need to take that moment right now. God bless you, sir. You may put your hand down. Is there somebody else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Is there some God bless you, ma'am? Is there somebody else? God bless you, sir, down the back. Is there somebody else here this morning? Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am, up in the balcony. Fantastic. God bless you, sir, over the other side. And ma'am down the back. God bless you. There's real connection taking place by the Spirit of God this morning. Now, friends, this prayer we're about to pray, it's not some mumbo-jumbo prayer. This is you praying from your heart, connecting. All I'm doing is like being a father to you and leading you into that place of connecting with the Holy Spirit. And if you pray these prayers today, I want to tell you something. There's a veil and there's a portal that will open up in your life towards God where you can experience the presence of the living God. So why don't we all help these ones that have lifted their hands and why don't we pray with them today? And I'll lead you in that prayer. If you could repeat after me and pray this from your heart this morning. Dear Jesus, I realize this morning how much I need you in my life. Doing it my own way is not working, Lord. I want to ask you today to come and join me 
and come and live in me. And I issue to you that invitation right now to come into my life. Forgive me and cleanse me from my wrongdoings. I open a pathway over my life for you to be the real God and lead me into the future. I thank you, Jesus, that you're here with me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to open the altar and we're going to invite all of those this morning that would like prayer. I want to really encourage you today, even if it's just, even if it's you just saying, God, man, what am I doing? I need to just lay all this stuff down today and I just want to be the real me before you. If that's you this morning, why don't you just slip out of your seat and come down the front. We're going to have the prayer team come and pray. We'll close the service as we do this. If there's anyone this morning that would like to have prayer, you just come now. And just allow the Spirit of God to do a fresh work in your heart today. God bless you. Keep coming, guys. Keep coming this morning. God bless you. You know, every time I've ministered at the Rock, I want to tell you there's a real tenderness of the Spirit's ministry in this place. And so take the opportunity, even if it's just this morning, you just want to, you just want to receive the blessing of Jesus over your life. Why don't you come this morning and allow somebody to pray with you? If you've got something that you feel you need to share, then please do that. It won't go any further than what you're sh- who you're sharing with that person. But if you just want somebody to pray with you and stand with you this morning, then let's do that. Father, I thank you for Pastor Greg and Danny. I thank you, Lord, for their lives that they model as leaders over this community of faith. And I pray the blessing of God to multiply through their lives, Lord, over their family, their children. I pray for the effectiveness of Jesus Christ to be in and through them. And I'm praying over the rock community, Lord, those that are present today, those that are missing in action today, Lord, I pray and ask that you would touch them deeply. And I pray, Father, for true authenticity and transparency to form a new bond of community that we may be one as you and the Father are one. So we commit the rest of our day to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Pastor Greg, you want to share something?